it's Adam. We had the amazing opportunity to speak with Chris, Alex, and Mark of the record company over Zoom video. Mark, Chris, and Alex all grew up in different parts of the United States. Mark and Alex ended up going to the same college together. That's where they met. But we hear about all three of their individual journeys in music. Alex ended up moving to Los Angeles after college. Mark moved to Nashville and then to Los Angeles, where Alex and Mark started a band together. Chris eventually made his way out to L.A. When they all met and started to jam together, they recorded their very first real jam session. And from that moment on, they knew something special was there. They talked about the success of their first couple EPs. They ended up selling hundreds of CDs at different shows, which attracted the attention of Concord Music. They signed to Concord, had a huge number one record. They tell us all about that, the second album they put out, and all about this new record that they just released, written and recorded over quarantine. You can watch our interview with Alex, Mark, and Chris on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. We'd love it if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with the record company. So this podcast is about you and your journey in music and how you guys got to where you are now. How, how did we get here? Let's, let's <laughs> we, we'll find out, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> are you both from L.A.? I, I did read the band started in Los Angeles. The band um, started in Los Angeles, but we're from, um, I'm from outside of Philadelphia. Mark's from Elmira, New York. We went to college together in Pennsylvania. So we've been playing in bands for a really long time. Oh, wow. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. I think, hang on real quick. Got more this is uh, Chris coming on. Yeah, Chris is here. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Awesome. Yeah, I was just telling uh, Mark and Alex that this podcast about you guys and your journey in music. I'm Adam, by the way. Nice to meet you all. Good to see you, Adam. Good to see you. Um, cool. So the band started in LA, Alex was kind of saying. So you're from outside Philly, Alex? Yes. Talk to uh, me about that a little bit. Uh, a town called Wayne, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, it's about 20 minutes west of Philly. Nice place. We, we love going to Philly now because a couple radio stations in Philly play us. So it's really cool to kind of come back there. But I've been in LA for since about the end of 98. So most of my adult life has been out in, in Los Angeles. So I really identify uh, with being out here for such a long time. Sure. How did, how did you get into music? How did I get into music? Yeah. Oh, um, I, you know, there's a, an old story. My sister was taking piano lessons and um, was having trouble with it. And one day my mom hears the piano lessons being played perfectly and she was going to go congratulate my sister. And it turns out it was me, I'm four <laughs> years younger at like age six, playing her lessons because I was upstairs just listening to what was supposed to be played. So I think from early on, I had um, sort of a, a knack for- Like a ear for it, sounds like it, wow. Being able to translate it with the, uh, with the fingers. <laughs> oh my gosh, so you obviously continued with piano, I'd imagine. <laughs> well, not see, not really. I kind of got moved over to guitar, and um, even then, they would teach you classical music back then. And I had the guy with the footstool and like really proper technique, and I like didn't get it at all. I, 
was in second grade and hated it. So I stopped. And then I think it was when I started to hear Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and bands like that, I grabbed this little crappy classical guitar out of the basement and started trying to learn how to play, you know, Heartbreaker and Stairway to Heaven and Purple, sure. you know, but wow. that's, uh, and that's, then were you in, you in bands in high school and throughout the, your early yeah, years? I mean, well, in high school, I was a nerd. I was like in the Glee club, the jazz band, the domino club, the blues, which was the acapella group. Uh, that's rad. My son's point. in chorus and he's like embarrassed kind of by it. I'm like, dude, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Well, then you go to like, you know, there was a guy that played drums and he had like 20 cats. So that, and like you're playing with people playing rock music, playing Grateful Dead covers, things like that. So I, that, that was uh, on the side outside of school doing all mm -hmm. that. That's cool. But yeah. Awesome. Well, Mark, how did you, uh, where were you born and raised? Uh, well, real quick, Alex, what is the Domino Club? I never heard of uh, that. That was like the, for plays for, for oh. the acting. Yeah, I, oh. I wasn't good at it. I was always one of the townspeople. But uh, I, town oh, I was thinking you were playing dominoes, like the game, That's like right, actually. Uh, uh, yeah. games. No, I never heard about uh, that. Mm -hmm. Underage gambling thing. No, it was the oh. yeah thespian uh, group. Okay, uh, <laughs> underage gambling <laughs> group. <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up uh, a place called Elmira, New York. It's kind of up near. Uh, I guess really the only place you may be familiar is Ithaca, New York. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, I know Ithaca. I don't know. I know of it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it and it was like that was the big college. We do have a college in our town, but Ithaca had like Cornell and Ithaca mm -hmm. College and everything. And um, so it was a great place to go 25 minutes away and see shows because there was always bands coming through. It was a big jam band uh, part of the country. Mm -hmm. um, but growing up was basically just like hand-me-downs from my brother, like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, like all that stuff. It was a very, uh, that's pretty much where I grew up was like metal or Rush. Like you were into one or the other, you know? Okay. Um, Is that so what was, drew to drums? Rush? Uh, no, I mean, it was, oh. <laughs> I started playing trumpet because my brother played trumpet in like fourth, fifth grade or whatever. And then I, I just always thought drums were cooler. Like the, the kids playing drums were like the cooler people than the horn section, you know? Okay. And I was like, I think I just want to like try that out. And um, so around like seventh, eighth grade, I had this friend, Dave Piaccio, who had a drum set and we'd just hang out at his house and like come up, make, make up songs in the basement. And, you know, uh, he had a guitar, his brother was a bass player. So there was just instruments around. And that was kind of like my impetus into like, just wanting to be in bands, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we started a band and then we had this band in high school called Alter Ego, which was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good name though. Now, apparently there's a band called that. So I'm still in touch with one of the guys from, from my old, high school band and we kind of uh we follow the career of this band alter ego and just you know, <laughs> how they're doing it's your alter ego <laughs> it's your, right. um so but we were doing like a lot of metal covers and stuff like that and then um i remember walking into uh we had two record stores at the mall one was sam goody and the other oh, i remember was, sam goody yeah and then there's a place called record town which okay. i don't know if that was like a national one or whatever but yeah we didn't have that where i was growing up at least yeah, they always had like the slightly cooler stuff, you know. Um, 
but I walked in one day and uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan's The Sky is Crying album was playing because they would just play like new releases and stuff and mm -hmm. something just hit me in the face and I was because I heard that Hammond B3 in there and just instruments I wasn't really like familiar with because I was just listening to like a lot of heavier stuff you know mm -hmm. and that just I bought that album brought it home I think I played it a million times and switched the direction of the band from heavy then all of a sudden we're doing like blues covers and that got us into like uh Clapton and the Beatles and like all this different stuff that we just never thought and then that made our my parents happy because we were practicing in, at my house so my mom one day was like are you doing a cover a Beatles cover like thank god you know <laughs> <laughs> sick of the metal <laughs> yeah instead of like Slayer raining blood you know sure. <laughs> like, um so it was cool and then like yeah we just had bands the whole time uh in high school met Alex in college I was getting more into like jammy stuff like fish mm -hmm. and dead around then um because like i said you could just go to shows all the time uh in ithaca and then uh around the whole sort of region and uh yeah met alan college we had a band we were doing dead covers we had some of our own tunes or whatever and uh he moved out here and i went to nashville and then followed uh, about three years after nashville i came out here as well and okay see so Alex, you and Mark went to college together. I, all three of you didn't go to the same college. Yeah, just me and Mark. Okay, did you guys both go for music or no? No, you know, growing up on the East Coast, at least in my uh, experience, it was very much structured towards like you have the career to fall back on. So right for me, college was I didn't have my mind ready yet to to think that I was going to do music for a living. It was more like get your business degree and, you know, eventually you'll put on a tie and you know, <laughs> have a house. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, but it was about halfway through college. I, um, I picked up a music minor to help balance out my shitty grades on the business classes. <laughs> sure. I, I knew that I was graduating kind of to, for my parents who were putting up a lot of money to, to put me through college which I appreciated. So I, um, I, but I did, I knew kind of that I, music was what I wanted to, to end up doing. So, but it wasn't to like be a rock star or anything like that. It was like, I want to make a living at this. I don't know how, I don't know what I could possibly do, but LA, I'd never been West of Ohio before. And New York just seemed like a really unattainable, expensive place. So I just, without knowing anybody just packed up my car the 93 Ford Escort and uh, <laughs> rolled in LA and wow. uh, didn't know anybody. So, you know, that was, that was that trip. Oh, wow. Okay. And then Mark, you went to Nashville, you said? Uh, I did. I had a friend who was in college down there and uh, he said, you know, it's pretty fun down here. And at that time it wasn't like the whole world was moving to Nashville. <clears throat> I just moved to Nashville. It's so funny. You said that from Southern California. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was like, you would go down Broadway and all those places now that are all like the bachelorette and bachelor parties and the pedal. Yeah. Parks, none of that was, it was all like every honky little tonks. It, all the honky tonks, but they were like, there was a bluegrass one. There was a kind of like rockabilly bar. There was, Oh, cool. It was great. And like, um, so I, yeah, I tried to play down there, but also at that time it was, more stu studio musician focused, if that makes sense. It wasn't yeah, like, yeah, yeah. go start your own band. And 
I'm just not a chops guy. Like I, there's just way better people at that than me. So I just ended up working in just taking a job at uh, BMI, which is like a yeah publishing song, you know, songwriting yeah. society thing, and just started learning about the the business side of it. Um, and then eventually, I don't know. We, it, I think we, I called Alex for some reason, or we were emailing or something. He's like, "Dude, my roommate just moved." And I'm like, "I'll be there in two weeks, man." And I just <laughs> just left drove, and went to LA. I drove my. Uh, I had get gotten rid of my Ford Escort. I had a 95 Jetta, so that was my uh, my whip to get out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, Chris. So I want to hear your story. So where were you born and raised? Uh, I was born uh, in uh, I was born in a hospital in Kenosha, but I because uh, I always say I was born on a dairy farm. It makes it sound like I was like you know I wasn't born on the farm, but I was raised there. <laughs> uh, raised on the farm. Okay. Raised, born, born in the barn. Yeah, I wasn't born in a barn. <laughs> uh, but the uh, uh, I was raised on a dairy farm um, with my two brothers, Mark and Brian. Um, Mom was a nurse. Dad's a dairy farmer. Um, they still are farming. They're still going. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's it was an interesting way to grow up when I now I didn't know it at the time that it was an interesting way to grow up. But now I do because I've I live in Los Angeles and I've lived in Milwaukee and I've had all those experiences. And um, so I, I we were a musical household. There was always records playing. Um, Dad always had music playing out in the barn. He had music playing. We had a cab tractor that he I used to ride around with him when I was just a little guy. And kind of similar to Alex's story, they bought me a wiffle ball bat when I was in diapers because uh, there's footage of me uh, safely tucked away uh, of, of me at probably in a year and a half, two years old, holding on to a couch and holding the bat and mom said all I would do is she'd put on a record and I would pretend the bat was a microphone. Now I even knew what a microphone was <laughs> and I'd dance and pretend to be the singer. So um, I had a love of music from the beginning and it was kind of a little bit of an out. I, I always got along with people, but as far as like my interests, I, I was kind of as a kid, like searching for that thing, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't, there weren't any musician kids around. So I, it didn't even seem like, something that you could do. It seemed like something that people out there in the world did, but people where I was from, I didn't really see a lot of that. And then um, I, there was a little like softball tournament when I was in like the fifth grade and they had some junkie cover band in there. And I just thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. So that kind of started me thinking about playing. And then uh -huh. and of sixth grade or fifth grade, a kid came to school with a, a, a strat and he had just moved to the to town i had four kids in my class by the way so this kid was like <laughs> oh, but that was like the way it was for first through fourth grade and then in fifth grade like a couple other kids came in and so i think we were up to a, a massive amount of like six seven children in the that same grade. So one of them was like the, this kind of bad guy bad guy meaning like <laughs> cool guy from uh, uh, he got kicked out of the public school. So they sent him over thinking that he would do well uh, being around uh, a bunch of farm kids or something. I don't know what they were thinking, but he came in with a Metallica metal up your ass shirt and a Stratocaster. And I <laughs> disrupted the entire flow of the entire school. And I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. So I'm like, I want to be like that. And uh, <laughs> got a guitar eventually and uh, started playing it and got in a band in high school. My brother and I, my brother was a drummer. 
Um, he had been playing drums for a while. He was kind of like just always had that passion for music. I was asking to get a guitar for a long time, but for some, I don't think anybody really thought I was that serious about it. I was never an insistent about it. It was never like, please, please. I wasn't that kind of person. Mm -hmm. I still am not that kind of person. So I might've said like, I'd like a guitar. And they're like, okay, someday. And then maybe down the road, I'm like, I'd like a guitar. Well, they got me one for my eighth grade uh, graduation. Oh, cool. Okay. And I went to the public high school in Burlington, Wisconsin, which had, you know, by the measure of what I had experienced, they had a uh, hundred and some odd kids in my class. And I'm like, wow. All right. And I met a few kids that played guitar and ended up forming a band uh, my sophomore year and started playing gigs in the gym. And then we made a demo and it got actually on Milwaukee radio. So we were, we thought we were the coolest people ever. I went That's to- huge. How did, <laughs> yeah, how did was- they, how the radio station find it? I, uh, I had an, I had an in my, uh, my English teacher was also in our broadcasting teacher. He ran at our high school, Burlington high school. They had a, uh, and they still have uh, one of the only true working radio stations in, um, Wisconsin, that's a high school station. So you can take broadcasting and all that uh, in high school and learn how to be a DJ, you know? So, so awesome. So I took that class and that teacher, Terry, he had a a show in Milwaukee on Saturday nights called radio chaos, where he played indie and alternative rock. And uh, it was kind of like the only show playing some of that stuff at the time. And he played us on there. So that led to some gigs in Milwaukee, which was extremely thrilling. I mean, when you're packing up from like, you know, playing in your garage with the door open and nothing seeing your band, except for like a pasture of cattle that are like kind of (laughs) over there Uh to, you know, going into Milwaukee and playing gigs was really awesome. And then I went to college in UW uh, Milwaukee. Um, basically as an agreement to my mom, uh, I, I wanted to, uh, I, once I caught the bug, I was like, I, when I was 14 years old, I strummed the guitar and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I didn't know how, I didn't know where, I didn't know if I was good enough, but I was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is, this is my dream right now. And that never left me since, um, that was, uh, that was the, the, the calling right there. So when I got to UW Milwaukee. I, I went there because my folks were like, you know, you got decent grades, uh, get a fallback plan. And I was like, I don't need a fallback plan. I'm going to play music. <laughs> you know, you're a kid. You don't know, you know, so right, yeah, I, I didn't know how absurdly thing. insane it was <laughs> to even think that you could make any kind of living uh, playing original music, which was my goal and uh, formed a band in Milwaukee. It did pretty good actually for a while it was called a uh, freshwater collins not and, and we wondered why people thought we were a, a jam band we were actually not a jam band we were like a rock band that played like like funky rock and roll songs you know and uh kind of in the model of 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 you know bluesy like an almond brothers kind of thing but not with the jam it was more like inspired by Zeppelin and stuff. And mm-hmm. I also, my favorite singers were always soul singers like Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, you know, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. that's where my real love of singing came from. And I accidentally became the singer in high school because when we went to do that demo, I had talked about the other guy heard his, his voice on tape and was like, I can't sing. You're going to have to be the singer. And I like <laughs> at that day I became the singer and I never stopped being a singer. Uh, since so that's amazing 
that's kind of, you know, and then I moved to Los Angeles uh, and uh, from Milwaukee with my wife, Valerie, she got a job at the LA times. And uh, I was like, I'm not going to stand in the way of an opportunity like that. And when I got here, I just was like, Hey, it's, uh, it's time to, you know, I'm here. I just, I never thought I'd be here. Um, so here I am and I might as well give it the best shot I could and ended up meeting Alex and Mark and they were coming out of a different project. So took a little time. We got to know each other, listened, bonded over records. And, uh, um, eventually we jammed and we recorded that first session. And that's where this story starts with the three of us. We, that oh, first wow. day we played together, we formed the band. We just were like, this is the band. So, and that's when you guys played in the living room at the apartment or the house in Los Feliz. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that was your first, what, like jam together and you recorded it. Yes. Yeah. It's actually one of the songs it's called born unnamed because actually that was the name of the song. But when we recorded it, we didn't have a name for the group either. We weren't even a group. We were just three guys and like, I didn't even know when I first met Alex and Mark that they played bass and guitar. I, when I first met Alex, I knew I was like, wow, you're a really good guitar player. And Mark was a really, really talented, uh, you know, keyboardist. So I had it in my head. But you weren't even playing drums, Mark. You were playing that time, piano no. or keyboard. Wow. And then I, I played in a, I kind of, we talked about getting together and then I kind of, uh, I put it in, it's the same thing I did with my wife, everybody that I've ever, and everything that I've ever had in my life that's really stuck around and, and been a big part of it is always kind of taking a little work to get, get it going, you know? So like remember the first time I asked my wife out, she said, I don't know, I can't, you know, you're a musician and I've kind of been down that road. And I was like, I mean, I'm like, how can you blame her? But I, in the back of my head, I'm like, all right, we'll just become friends. And then a month in we're dating, you know, and the same thing with Alex and Mark, I was like, basically got turned away from the idea of a band and I can't blame them. Cause when I knew I didn't know what they had all just, they'd just taken a pretty seriously hard run at going, going out there and doing it and did, you know, with the, their former band. Mm -hmm. So they were pretty kind of done with it. you know. <laughs> and uh, I was just getting there with this new energy. I'm like, let's do it. And they're like, I... so in my head, I was like, how do I get these two guys who are clearly like out of everybody I'd met out here, the most like me, the guys I like the most and they're probably two of the more talented people I've met out here. I'm like, how am I going to get them in a band? So I just slowly found projects to play with them. Mark was playing drums in another project and I'm like, do you need a lap steel and pedal steel player? Yeah, sure. So I end up doing that or Alex, I, I hired Alex to play bass on uh, a few gigs. I was playing in a terrible band I was in at the time that wasn't really cutting it. And, but Alex was like, oh yeah, I'll play. I'm looking to play a little bass. And that kind of brought it all together when, you know, uh, and we formed the band that first day. Wow. Okay. So then you record this, this session that you guys are doing. And then from there, what, what was, what do you do with it? You're like, okay, now we have these songs. We're kind of a band. We just, you know, did this, this little recording thing. And like, where do you take it? I think um, all of us were at that point in our lives where we were like starting another band. We have to like take all of the mistakes we've made in the past that didn't work. Reason why bands fizzled out in the past and go at this really seriously. And, you know, why is this song not good enough yet? What can we do to make it better? We really like just met at my house religiously, you know, 
four or five times a week at, you know, noon or one and just put a lot of time and effort into writing so songs, you know, so we maybe had about five songs and uh, I just started writing like ninja emailing people at labels, radio stations, like whatever. And uh, there was a guy in Philly, um, Bruce Warren at XPN, who just, I just wrote him a cold email and he was like, Hey, I like this. I'm going to make it the song of the day. And these were just wow. songs we made in our living room with, you know, we crafted them fairly well, but they were made with very cheap equipment, you know, played live, uh, really, really like organic bare bones kind of stuff. But um, we started to get a few gigs and like, it was just like, oh, we're, we need more songs to, to keep playing these shows. So we just, we were like, we knew kind of how we wanted to do it, how we, things we did in the past, which failed. We said, well, let's avoid those. Um, and we just kind of kept going and it just was like a slow road up a slow hill and we're still on that slow road up the slow hill, but it's always felt like it's going upwards, even mm -hmm. in the beginning days. Was there something special about like that, that first meeting with you guys? Cause it sounds like you, you, uh, Alex, you and Mark were in a band and you really, from what Chris was saying, you guys are really going for it. And then it didn't do what you guys wanted it to do. And then you're kind of defeated in a sense, like with this band situation. And then, you know, you, you meet Chris and you guys are do this session at your house. And then it's like, Oh, I'm going to start emailing people. Like, was there just like a different energy in the room that made you kind of have that spark again? Or was it Chris's, you know, new enthusiasm to bring it into the band or. It, it sounded like something. Um, and I, I say that because Anytime I've ever like hung a mic up at another band rehearsal or you just hear it, it just sounds like 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 a big muffle sound. <laughs> and Chris's voice really just shot through the mix, you know, um, and it sound it just sounded like like again, like I said, it sounded like something. And I feel like all of our experiences leading to that point, we kind of knew right away that this was worth really diving into hard you know um yeah you know, I, I mean those, you know those lockout spaces where you hear all the bands rehearsing yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds like you hear a crash cymbal you hear a muffled voice like and then there's maybe like one band where even just rehearsing you can tell that something's happening that's what right. i like here you know and that was like a, a first probably for all of us yeah i mean i, I would say like Aside from the band we had previously, you know, which was five, six years, and now we're, we'll be turning, we're 10 years next month in this band. Wow. Uh, up to that point, I had never really, I mean, I, I echo what Chris said, where it's like, you knew you wanted to do this, even as a kid, but mm -hmm. no idea, like, how to do it, right? Or even our college band, we're like, it's fun, let's just, here's a gig for four hours at the one bar in town. Just go play and all your friends come and everybody just drinks and it doesn't matter if you're terrible or good or whatever. But I think we decided, okay, if we're going to do this, we're not 20, right? So this is like, this is it. And we had amassed some knowledge of like how to go about it. You know, like Al was saying with the ninja emails info at sub pop all right that got returned how about info you know whatever it is and we just went on a tear of like all of that because this this was the the the, sh the last time you know i think any of us any of us 
in our right minds would say, okay, if we're gonna start a band one last time, let's just make sure we do it yeah. properly. Your yeah. last hurrah type of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. I mean, not to be like, not to over-dramatize it, but it, it was kind of that. It was sort uh -huh. of like, you know, what we had learned both good and bad over the years of just being out here, trying to, you know, having bands and stuff like that all really fed into going about this the right way. But it really came down to, wow, uh, this dude can sing his ass off and it'd be a shame if, if we didn't give it a whirl, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, that's that's that was the bottom line on the whole thing. Sure. Know? Wow. And how quickly did you guys get get the attention of Concord Records? Because you put out your first album but a few years after the band had formed. We got attention from them right off the bat, but we didn't really get didn't really get a serious look till a few years in, like four four years in or so. And then they saw us play at the Fox in Denver opening for Brian Setzer and Detroit. uh oh wow Detroit. excuse me Denver Detroit yeah the uh, uh, Detroit in uh and we it was just at that time where people were still buying like a lot of compact discs so mm -hmm. um this would be what six years ago or whatever it still was there you know people still had the cd player in their car and their computer and their everything and it, it hadn't quite gone over that hill yet where it is now, where it's like everything is pretty much online and mo most people go that way um, or vinyl even. But mm -hmm. we had two uh, we had two discs out and the merch uh, person who uh, happy story there, the person, Lisa, who taught us everything we know about merch at a show she took us on, she was Brian's merch person and she kind of took us under her wing and she's like, we had our disc priced at five. She's like, that's ridiculous. Price them at 10. And we're like, that's too much. And she's like, no, it's not. And the night we were in Detroit, we had kind of gotten to the point where we had it down to a science where after our set, I just was like, Hey, we're going to go into the back and we're going to be there with our albums. If you liked what you heard, we'll be there hanging out, come on over, say hello. So what had started happening was, we would get line. We'd sell like a hundred to 200 discs a night. And that night wow. in Detroit, it just, the Fox had like this really old fashioned system, which was super cool, kind of rad, but we, it, it was the only time it happened this way on the whole tour. And it just happened to be the night the, the guys from the label were there. They had like, it roped off, like looked like how you would stand in a line at Disney world. And we're looking at this thing. We're walking in we're like, that's, that's kind of weird. That's a little odd. Well, luckily that night, I mean, we just, I don't know, we connected really hard with the crowd. Um, and the line to get our disc looked like a ride at, at Six Flags. Wow. You know, it was like we sold 200 some odd discs or more that night and we're there for a long time. So mm -hmm. these guys were waiting to talk to us. And I think I, I have to assume that that had to help our cause with them where they're like, wait a sure. minute. You know, this opening band just got a standing ovation from a crowd that doesn't know them and this, you know. So that was we at that point just had these songs so honed that we just kind of knew how to do it at that point with those songs, you know. And mm -hmm. those were the songs that inevitably became uh, our first album, Give It Back to You, you know. Um, so there you go. That was that was kind of it. Funny part is on Give It Back to You, the song that ended up being 
the biggest song on that record was one of the last songs we wrote for that record. And none of us even, I don't think any of us even thought anything of that song when we did it, it was called off the ground. Mm -hmm. And when the label, we didn't know anything about the radio or anything like that. And the label's like, this is your single. And we're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're like single, you know, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, we rest to go back uh, uh, to to the the early thing, because I know that's what this is about. From my side, I just knew at that moment when I see something that I know it's, it's a calling from within. And I just, I that first day I was like, that sounds like a band. Don't you guys think? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, let's do this, you know? And we're the kind of guys that once we commit to something, um, we really go at it, you Mm -hmm. know? So, um, that was, that was how it happened. And none of us had, and then, you know, you, you were make that recording that day. And then a couple of weeks radio later, you're getting played on the radio and being asked to do residencies and all, and all these things that we had never experienced before. So you're like getting vindicated that you're not insane too. You know, it's like, Oh, we think this is good. We didn't know on that day, if anybody would ever even want to listen to it, but eventually, you know, it just kind of showed us, Hey, this might be a little bit of a different thing. Maybe when the three of us play, it's different than when we've played with other people, you know, cause I've been singing for, I'd been singing for years. And so, uh-huh. and I had never gotten where I wanted to be um, professionally speaking. So I don't know why when the three of us got together, it all locked up, but it did. So sure. kind of like love at first sound, you know what I mean? <laughs> like that. <So>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously off the ground was the right choice. It was like the number one song, right. On the, on billboard, you had a, a number one song with triple a. Mm-hmm. which is crazy a, a grammy nomination <laughs> i mean are yeah. all these, these things it sounds like once you you know that song really kind of exploded on as far as that went from that record yeah i don't know how that happened i mean we it was funny we had this uh uh <laughs> you, people some people will uh when you're in this is being a songwriting thing they'll be like Oh, you wrote this song to be a radio song. And it's like, dude, I was playing a lap steel and the bass player is playing a slide on his bass. That is not, there's no formula that, that, that I've formula. ever seen that says that's going to work <laughs> right. you know, in that way. So it's like the idea that we were like sitting around going like, hmm, how do we write a radio song? It's like, that was not it. Our men, we just decided, and Alex trumpeted this from day one. He was like, I've played in a ton of bands and all I want now is to be in a band that has a chorus in their songs. You know, can we haste? I just want choruses. So let's, that's all I ask. Let's get write some choruses. And then, and I'm like, and I hadn't either, you know? So it was like the three of us getting together. That was just kind of the thing. We're like, let's write songs that have structure, that have choruses that are changes, chord changes. Yeah. Chord <laughs> changes and stuff like it's, and don't have like 19 minute jams in the middle of a record until maybe we have a right, to do that like let's make concise songwriting you know Mm -hmm. and that was a really that's been our mantra all the way through this record was it's always been song 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 songs Mm -hmm. it's it's about how to be better writers how to be better uh and and then performing's always just come kind of we all had so much experience at that we just fit together really well so that's never been an issue as far as like how to perform them you know what i Mm -hmm. mean 
Yeah, definitely. And what would you say, like, I mean, I know you have another record after that one, uh, All This Life. What would you say, like, a big milestone from that was or a takeaway from putting out that record would be? I mean, I, I would say that I, I think the songwriting still was the focus. That, that was a little trickier one because the first album did pretty well and got us on the road for, I mean, I think we did, we toured that record for over two years, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And just sure. kept going back and back to the same yeah. places and saw an audience well, you had growing like, up. You know, you got on TV, you guys did a lot. The, obviously the Grammy nomination. I mean, there's a lot to come with that first album with a lot of successes. Yeah, I mean, like we had never done a late night show and all of a sudden mm -hmm. we're at Conan, you know? Right. <laughs> how do we do this? Like, how do I do this without throwing up? On <laughs> right. um, you just like learn how to do that stuff but so in between all, all of that going on and then you're doing festivals and all this it was like oh it's been a while we should really start thinking about a second album and so it's a little tougher to like cram in songwriting on a weekend or you know on Monday through Wednesday when you're home and then you're gone Thursday through Sunday for six months or something like that mm -hmm. um, same with videos and all that but I mean, we put that record out, another, the song uh, Life to Fix, that was another number one. So that felt mm -hmm. really good. You know, you, you just never know. I mean, it's not like you, you come to expect things. You know, I don't know how other people feel, but it's kind of like you, you don't put it out and go, oh, well, once that song goes number one, that, you know, it's like, no, there, there's <laughs> no guarantee. Like this thing's right. really tough. And like you look at the other artists on those that are putting out records and everything, and it's like, there's some really, really good stuff happening. And mm -hmm. it's just cool to be sort of associated with that. Um, but there's no guarantee that like you're going to come out on top and you just kind of do what you do. And I mean, there's some great musical moments on that record. You mm -hmm. know, I think some of it came from the, the feeling of like, we have to get this done. And sometimes that anxiety or whatever can give you these like, impromptu cool moments and there's there's definitely some of that on, on that record i wanted to pitch something to alex here that i've never said publicly or privately because i think it's really a big thing and it needs to get out there but um what one of the things that made our band work is that we all have a lot of respect for our own, for each other's abilities and like where Mark is really talented in one area, I might be deficient in that same area or where I'm really talented in one area. Maybe Alex and Mark don't have it. We're fortunate in this band with Al being, he produced that first record. He mixed that first record. And Alex always has been the one when we go into our next record, Mark and I are pretty easy going when it comes to that. Alex is very focused it's kind of like that. And it, it, you telling that story about the piano kind of got me thinking about that, Alex, because, you know, a lot of our most successful material, almost all of it has come from an idea that came out of Alex first, you know, and I think that's really an important thing. And that's what you do. If, by the way, anybody in a band is watching it, when you've got people that do good stuff in your band, tell them and tell others, because that's how you love each other, you know, and that's how you stay a band for 10 years. But I, I just kind of, Alex, I wanted to throw it to you because that second record, like Life to Fix, um, you know, and coming in to play loud, Alex was the one who was like, dude, he had the sounds, he had the, the vision, you know, kind of in his head and he sold us on it. And like, now I'm not saying he's like 
you know, a guy that goes over here is the mad genius that makes everything go. And we're just sitting there like, oh, good, whatever you want. You know, that's not how it goes. <laughs> but it's but there's no doubt about it that the dude leads leads when it comes to the music and the ideas. And when we need an idea or we need to solve a problem, um, you know, he's there. So Al on that second record, you know, Life to Fix, our most successful songs have started with your bass lines and and uh you've written some of our I mean our chorus melodies are a lot of them are all you you know like I'd love to say as the singer that I have a knack for that I have a knack for singing well writing verses I can do that all day but when it comes to writing the hook that's not my deal so what do you think Al you got anything you want to say about all that and I hope you appreciate how much I love you because this I wanted you to hear this in a public forum because I think it's important that it gets out there especially on a songwriting broadcast you know I love that yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, the one thing I would sort of add was just when we did get picked up by Concord, the first thought was, oh, I guess we'll go record this all for real, you know, mm-hmm. in, a, in a studio. And uh, and they pretty much were like, no, we just like what what you did. And I honestly w- I caught it sort of the de facto producing role um, where because it was at my house. It was like the gear I knew, I put the mics out and, and mixed it. And, you know, I had experience prior to that, but I wasn't any kind of, um, you know, pro level high end demand person for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the second record, it was, you know, done under a little more duress, just like a little less time. Um, but when we, you know, on the production front, we said, you know, let's do the drums at another studio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can, Concord can shoot a little money that way. You know? <laughs> so the production level is up a little bit, um, you know, but we, we knew we, we got to kind of continue this thing that we're building on here. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, the new record play loud, we kind of decided to flip all of that on its head. It, it's like, we, I wanted to take myself purposely out of uh, a head producer role or anything like that. And, uh, you know, we've had those same sounds, those same amps, the living room, the piano that's in the living room. It's like, we've done all that before. We've, um, and done covers and EPs and Mm -hmm. rarities albums, not just the two records. So it was about how to change it all up. Um, you know, as far as like why I might come up with a hook or a riff, I mean, I have a process. I mean, I really do that I stick to, which is, I just like kind of keep it on all the time. And if something falls out into the sky, I didn't used to do this, but I do now, which is I, I make sure I either play it into a recorder or I write it down. And, you know, and what ends up happening is, is when you have time to, when it becomes time to kind of organize ideas, you've got 27 pages in your notepad of mostly nonsense, but in there are, seedlings of what becomes hooks to a lot of the stuff. I got this life to fix, you know, things like that. Um, and the same thing on the riff front, you know, it's, it's just, it's always being aware to catch something when, uh, when it, when it lands, I'll sit, I got guitars all over this house and I'll just wank on blues riffs all the time. <laughs> nothing, nothing happens, but some days it's might be a weird thing in the weather or I might, go to a different place and I'll play one thing and I'll go, Whoa, that sounds like something there, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's making sure you 
you you land you lock it down whether you record it on your computer your phone or voice a cassette whatever it is so mm -hmm. that's what i do is i stockpile ideas lyrically and musically uh and i'm pretty pretty religiously as just like a way of life and mm -hmm. when it comes down to like all right now i, I like this riff what scroll through the notes is there something uh, lyrically that might work there and i'll you know and it's sometimes it's trial and error um but mm -hmm. you know that that's definitely like kind of why some of those initial ideas might start from me but then it it, it fully becomes a collaboration because at the end of the day like if it was only me you'd have albums that sound like back or fish you know <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> the stamp of what we all do wouldn't be there. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's a, a lyric and a melody, but then it's got to go to a, a different place where you've got your mates all putting in and, and making it something bigger and better, you know? Mm -hmm. So you mentioned with the new record, I want to talk to you about uh, played live that comes out tomorrow. Correct. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah. Um, you, you said that everything kind of got flipped on its head when it came to recording this record and would you tell me a little bit about that and was it affected because of you know now we're in this lockdown and you probably had to approach the record differently i would imagine as well yeah i mean we we had more time to write uh which was great and we were open to to any and anything so it was producing we were meeting some different producers uh, it got floated to us hey we've we know somebody that would love to work with you on uh, maybe you collaborate on a song and we we said where in the past we'd say, oh, no, we don't do that. This yeah. time we were like, let's try it. Like, why not? You know, but we made demos for this whole record at my house, the same as we always do, that they do exist. And some of them are pretty good. Some of them are in varying degrees of, uh, of where the song ended up. Um, but it was those demos that also helped, you know, Concord wanted to hear some music before, you know, going, all right, do we launch this from a band that did it all themselves to like a, to a producer that, you know, is, you know, has a quite a, um, a track record behind him track record, but also it's not free to get those people. Oh, so. right, right. Sure. <laughs> so that was a first for us too. Like yeah. everything had pretty much been made for very little money. So, you know, so we had these demos, but then, um, going to Dave Sardi's house was just a whole another experience here's a guy who has made 200 records plus a whole house full of gear. So we're not just using the same. I mean, I didn't even, I have some nice guitars. I didn't even really want to bring them. I, I wanted yeah. to use, what, what do you have there? You know, oh, what do you sure. differ? Um, so yeah. That, and the pandemic was really just, it was like full on vintage COVID, like the lockdowns had just started. And so we were all like in masks, in the mm -hmm. in the studio the whole time you, you, there's pictures of in videos and we're wearing masks the whole time you know it was uh april of 2020 but we just he has his process you know and that was it was just great i was ready to learn i think all of us were um but me in particular who had to do the producing the mixing all that stuff now i could just watch someone who has more experience than me and just soak it all in as much as possible, you know, you know, and how he makes a record, you know? So it was great. It's mm -hmm. really a thrill to, to do what we did over there. Were you guys working on this record before 
COVID happened or was this definitely. something that just came out? Oh, okay. I didn't know if it was something that came out of it. Yeah, Were you- no, it, COVID definitely altered some of the, the things we did, how we did them uh, change, you know, <laughs> even took songs that had one meaning to us before and you didn't even have to change a word. And it's like, suddenly this song might mean something completely different. Like when you're talking about being alone or being and all of a sudden it was much more stark. So mm-hmm. it's like, we knew that. And it was like, and if it felt good to lean into that, we did. We, and we were writing lyrics all the way to the last day that I cut the last vocal. And that there was a pressure cooker situation where it's like, nobody knew it was really interesting. And it was nerve wracking, thrilling all of the spectrum. It was because for one thing, he's made 200 records, but as Dave said, this is the first record I'm making during COVID. So once the protocols came out and it was like, okay, you guys can work now, but you have to have only you guys and you have to have masks on. And if somebody, mm-hmm. t- this, you got to remember this is a year ago. So it's like, if you touch a guitar, that's your guitar. If I touch it, it's like, you know, right. nobody just like, knew it was happening at that. Yeah. Point, so right? we're like, yeah. holy smokes, you know, this is crazy. You know, and it's like, yeah. if I, you know, it's like, did you touch that guitar? Okay. That's yours now. Uh, this is my, <laughs> you know, this is mine. And if you, if you want to use it, like, you know, you know, rub it down, you know, with some, <laughs> it with Lysol you know, whatever. yeah. You know, that was, that was all nuts to walk around a studio and be like, okay, there's three of us in this room, two of us got to go, or one of us has got to go. It was like, there were all that stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But then there was also so much other stuff that wasn't going on because our entire lives had been just disintegrated, just like everybody else's, where it's like, other than going to the studio and doing the record, there was nothing else to focus on. So that made it really an excellent, like, elevated process of writing and everything that we did you know we wanted to expand the sound we wanted to grow we wanted to try new things we wanted all of that and i had personally like on our first two records every take i do now there are songs on this album that were like one take every take i do on the old records would be like take like off the ground perfect example i did a take i did another take and that's that that's what it was you know mm-hmm. and with this record, it was like, there'd be, I remember one of the first songs we did was a song called lady Lila. And I hit it and I hit it in like two takes. There's like, sounds great. You're good. And I was there at that point, I think it was by myself or the guys were wandering around the, the area. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a breeze. And then there were songs where he's just like pushing me really hard. Like, cause he wasn't thinking I was getting to where I needed to be. And that, that was awesome for me as a singer mm-hmm. to be in a situation where, uh, you got somebody really pushing you, but it also was extremely nerve wracking because I've never been in a situation where it's like, oh no, I, you know, you know, we're switching, we're switching words, you know, we're getting granular on melody here. Like, it's like it, I just usually would just in a verse do whatever the hell I wanted. And then in the chorus, <laughs> I pretty much do it. And it got to the point where it was like, we got to see what it felt like to be like, oh, you know what? If you sing that note just a little more that way, I think that's just got a better way of being and it was like a deeper musical concept than mm-hmm. i had ever experienced and that was that was exciting i loved it you know so that's where the for me the turning it on its head that was certainly all of that you know sure wow yeah. and i just throw in one i remember sitting with dave we were doing some playback in the control room or something and stopped and he goes you know what's great about this like yeah covid sucks and everyone's life is ruined but you know what's great right now is no one can come in and bother us. Like there was no listening sessions for outside people or, you know, like you have to do all that. He's like, 
we have the greatest excuse ever. No one's allowed in. So let's. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, you can't come in and hear the stuff yet. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, the, I mean, the record's doing awesome so far. The how high is killing it on the radio? I mean, as far as triple A's numbers go. And yeah. if you look at that, the chart and it's like, you know, Vance Joy and the Foo Fighters are pretty much the only ones ahead of you. And if you look at those and then you're beating like John Mayer and all these other like huge acts, Milky Chance. I mean, that's so that must feel pretty good. It's a good feeling for sure. It's not Funny. something we expect, uh, you know, again, with this album, I think it's really important that when a, that as an artist, you're accountable for everything you do. And that one thing Sardi would always say is this is your record. And in the end, it's got to sound the way you want it to sound. It's got to be the way you want it to be. It's got to be something when it goes out the front door, you go, this is us. You can like it. You can love it. You can not like it. It doesn't matter. This is where we're at today. And that's the most important thing. I think there's an authenticity that you got to have to yourselves in those moments. So it's like you expand the sound, you do all this stuff. That's, artistic need above anything else and then if it makes you know you go up a chart or uh you know you you get a few more people in the room that's awesome those are great results but if you're if you're you can't write with that in your heart and head you know you can't write with it like we got to write this song this way because we need to get a bigger audience that's that's a that's a totally not the way i mean maybe that works for some people but it's just not the way that we can do it you know in the end we're just students of the game and we've learned by watching other artists that are like, you know, no matter which way you go, if you go, you do it in your living room, people are going to say, it sounds like you did it in your living room. If you do it in a big studio, some people are going to say, it sounds like you did it in a big studio. You can't worry about any of that crap. You got to just do you. And mm -hmm. uh, this album, I am so stoked on this one, man. I mean, this, and I think it's just got a little additional weight because we've had to wait <laughs> right, <laughs> for a right. year man so it's like the idea that this thing's dropping We're, we've all been sitting on this and had to kind of temper our enthusiasm when it was done and be like you know and when it got done we're like will we ever be able to tour again is that right. ever gonna is the entire industry gonna collapse on itself what it was, you know, so the idea of being able to drop the album and go on tour is amazing and we're stoked and Dave taught us a whole whole lot and That's uh it was time to be third record is the time to break down some walls and take some mm -hmm. chances. And uh, we had two records plus a rarities album. So we released that. So essentially we have three records. So you've got like 35, 36 songs that we did mostly in Alex's living room. It's like, like Alex was saying, it was time to time to move on. And uh, you know, those songs exist. Those recordings are always be there. But if, if the stuff, you know, the Beatles, you look at the greatest bands is like Beatles did five Beatles, one, two, three, four, five. And then they, all of a sudden there's rubber soul. There's it's like, and it's a completely different thing. And sure. it's like, you have to evolve the greats that you model your inspiration after all evolved. And it's like, I think it's a great thing for bands to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's cool that you said that you guys don't like write for, you know, to try to write a song to chart or whatever that just kind of happened. It happens if you have a good song and that's been kind of from the very very beginning i mean you said off the ground was the last song you guys wrote and you didn't even it wasn't even your mind as a single and they're like oh yeah that should be the single and then that's the song that like really kind of explodes in the very very beginning for you well it's, and not to take this over thing, but yeah. i want to say one thing 
our mentality and Mark, I'm not going to interrupt you, but just so you know where our mentality was at that time. Now, when we get done with a record, we might have more of an opinion when the record is completed because <laughs> okay. we have an idea of what the hell is there. We've been on the radio, so it might be like, right. But that's when it's completed. It's a big mm-hmm. difference. Not while you're doing it. While you're right. But with off the ground, we, <laughs> this is how naive we were to the whole thing. We're like, ah, we, we were, all we based our song, like what songs were working the best was how an audience that never heard it reacted because we were an opening band. We were, you know, so it was like, it was like, well, that one doesn't really smoke live. So I don't know. Can that be a single, you know, <laughs> right. but we didn't, you know, it, I just remember that, you know, I'm sorry, Mark, I cut you off there, but no, I mean, actually it's funny. That's what I was going to say. It was interesting to see. Um, we were in Europe on a support gig over there and, we were playing off the ground, like, I think, like, early in the set or maybe First. we were opening with it or something. And yeah. we're just kind of like, eh, I mean, people seemed to dig it. It wasn't like the place was going bananas or whatever. And then to see the shift of like, oh, once people got to know it, that song, now we play it and everyone's, you know, like singing along and everything. You're like, oh, that's how that works. So, you know, but we had no idea because we'd never had a band that had a song that anybody knew, you know? <laughs> right, right. It's a weird ass thing when you're, you're like playing, we have the song Rita Mae Young, which is like, I would say like a fan favorite or whatever. And mm-hmm. I just remember the three of us sitting in Alex's living room writing verses for that. And all of a sudden, you're out playing and there's just people singing that. And that's still a pretty weird thing, you know, mm-hmm. and like, it's awesome, but it's not normal. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, in, in other jobs or whatever, but. Yeah, that's really cool. And I appreciate your guys' time. Thank you so much for, for doing this. This has been oh, awesome. No I have one, one more question. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Who wants to start that one? <laughs> I, I'll be glad to, but I'm always the first one to go. I would say if, if there was two points, you know, when, when we started out, um, when we kind of already had those failed bands experiences, mm-hmm. it was kind of two things that we kind of stuck with us uh, just on a more nuts and bolts level. Um, it was, uh, we said, whatever we do, do not make a full length album unless you feel like there are, there's an audience that wants a full length album. And I mean, I just moved this week and I've got seed. I have full length CDs, Alex stiff CDs, you know, they're not really albums. They're just burned CDs and you have them in drawers or, you know, um, me and Mark's band is kind of the same thing. So that was, it was like, so just let's keep making EPs, keep getting interest. There's nothing more depressing than putting out a full length record that you're calling the full length record. And then, there's like a couple comments on cdbaby.com, you know, like, <laughs> sure. and then it's, then it's over and it's, it's done. And then another thing was, you know, with the touring, we found cool ways to play shows locally. Whereas in the past it was like, I think I can get us a gig up in San Francisco. And then from there I can get us a gig up in Portland, but you don't have anybody to come see you in those places. So what you end <laughs> up doing is putting debt on your credit card and, you know, that, that these are just like, you know, when you ask for like advice, this was stuff that we had come in already charged on this on the new band, the record company of stuff like kind of not to do. Um, so that was, you know, just on a nuts and bolts level. I'll just put that out. But I'm sure Chris has a more like philosophical <laughs> advice thing. But those were two things early on for us that were, you know, build locally. You have no reason to go outside 
300 miles uh, unless there's a demand for you 300 miles away. I love that. No, that's exactly it. I, I would just throw in too that when you're starting, whether it's like in a band setting or your solo artist or whatever you're doing, I think it's important to figure out what the word success means to you. And because it's going to mean a, a lot of different things to a lot of different people. If you're waiting in line at an American Idol audition, I think your definition of success is different than, say, a band in a garage, you know, starting out and practicing. And, and one isn't better or worse than the other. It's just different. I, I think it's important to know, okay, what are you doing this for? Is it purely a love of music? That's great. Do you want to make a living at this? That's a whole other thing. And then within that, what are the parameters of considering that, that it's working, that it's successful? Is it just being able to pay your rent or is it, you know, uh, are you seeking adoration from strangers or whatever, you know, whatever the thing is, it's important to kind of have a, a basic understanding of why you're doing this in the first place. I love it. I, uh, I would add uh, to any young artist. Uh, I'm, yes, you're right, Alex. We know each other very well. I'm going to go philosophical. Uh, I, I would say thanks for having us. Yeah. He's, he's forgotten all about how much greatness I uh, bring to his life with my wonderful philosophies. No, I'm just kidding. Here, here it is. Uh, you know, if you're starting out, there's a couple real quick things just, and I'm talking more inside of your head and your heart. One prop, be proud of what you love, what you listen to. Don't worry if you if you love pop music and that's what you're into. Don't when you're in a conversation BS and say, uh, oh, yeah, I don't listen to that because, you know, you might be around a group of people who might go, ah, I hate that. It's like be who you are mm -hmm. from stem to stern, start to finish. Be yourself. Find yourself. Find who you are in your heart and stand behind it and stay open. Don't fall in love with yourself. If you're a good singer, don't think just because you're singing something that, oh, I'm singing a song now. It's like, have a little bit of a understanding of what the process is and, and listen with, with a loving intent of making it better. And the other thing I'd say is, it's not all about you in the end. If you want to be in a collaborative group of people, you have to make space to understand who they are as individuals, who you are, what respect is, how to respect them and how to be respected yourself, or you're going to fricking tank. And, and the other thing I'll say is you're going to go through the hard times first. And just remember you probably love the people around you a lot closer to the way you did the first day you met them than how you feel when things are tanking and not feeling very good, because that's frustrating. Nothing, nothing fixes relationships like succeeding at something. And I can tell you in our band, you know, when we're beating our heads against the wall still to this day, we all have to step back and go, hey, let's not get frustrated with each other here. We're all in this together. Let's figure it out. You know, so be, be love the people you're with and be understanding and be accountable to how much you bring to the table. But also don't think you're so perfect that you can't, you know, if you're going to judge someone else, you got to know that that's going to come back the other way and you have to accept it. So be honest and be be a good person and, and write from your fricking heart as, uh, as I was told so long ago. <laughs> <laughs>